How you doing, folks? And welcome to another episode of the Green Machine Podcast. So I'm not joined by Martin or David today, but I'm delighted that the first interview of 2022, I've been joined by former Manchester United and Ireland underage player Kevin Grogan. So Kevin started off his career at United, so signing in the late 90s. He made a lot of headlines. He was considered something of a, of a wonder kid going over to Old Trapper signing for, for United in the lead up to the 1999 treble. Uh, Kevin also won the European Championships in 1998 at under-17 level under Brian Kerr. So I feel like I'm in Irish football royalty in a way, Kevin. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but um, now I was, I was just privileged to be able to play for Manchester United in Ireland. So it was a great experience. And how are you getting on yourself? I know up there, you're, you're, you're back in New York. You got back for a few days over Christmas. Back, back yeah, to back Ireland. in New York City. Uh, I was delighted to get back at Christmas, obviously, and, and see the family and friends. Had been a, a long two years. Um, you know, I know Ireland was was pretty quiet, but just fantastic to be able to get back. To be honest, you know, lucky in that sense. And yeah, back in New York City now, getting ready for a really busy month. We've got a lot going on now with the soccer convention in Kansas. I do a lot of work at, uh, with Disney in Orlando, so there'll be a lot of traveling, but all is good. You're quite a fascinating guy in terms of the, the stuff you've done after football, because, I mean, you're, you're involved in marketing, uh, you know, at one point of your career and at Cork City, weren't you? And then you're, you're kind of doing like football consultancy at the moment. You have your own podcast as well. Uh, the hairdryer treatment. I wonder where you got that name, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Well, that <laughs> was then, obviously from Alex Ferguson's uh, yeah. hairdryers. But um, no, I just kind of I've done a small bit of everything in my career. I suppose when you finish playing, you're kind of I was forced to finish with the injury. You don't really know what you're good at. You know, I got into coaching naturally. I had a good run at that, you know, enjoyed it, but knew it wasn't really what I wanted to do long term. Just enjoyed the business side of things. And, you know, I'd be a fairly decent networker and, and America is a great kind of country to network. So I just networked over the years and kind of my business has morphed into kind of consulting and I, I part own a virtual reality training system. And um, yeah, I, I do a lot of everything, which I enjoy because it, it keeps me on my toes. It's Rezzle, isn't it? The, the, the yeah, the VR stuff with. is Rezzle, which is really exciting. So it's a virtual reality training system. In essence, it's a cognitive training tool. We're, we're working with some of the biggest clubs in the world, Man United, Liverpool, PSG, Arsenal, and so on. Um, we've got a game analysis portion where we can upload footage and virtually put you in the body of any player. We've got a skills testing portion where we can benchmark players and a rehabilitation portion. We also work with um, Oculus, which is owned by Facebook, and that's our gamification version. And now this year we're moving into other sports, American football, basketball, baseball. So really, really excited about that one. I, I Never thought know. I'd stumble into tech, but uh, here I am. Yeah, like I looked up a few of the videos uh, of the, like it's it's fascinating. I don't know if you ever saw, um, is it Kevin Bassett, football manager, you know, the, yeah, the yeah, England yeah. manager. And, and and don't they put the uh, the England players into different bodies and they put it into Mark Lawrence and don't they? And he's doing like yeah. or something. So yeah. That's what kind of came to mind. But it's, it's you know, who would have thought whenever that movie came out about 20, 30, 30 years ago that, that that's actually going to be the reality and, and you're kind of you're, you're one of the people spearheading it so fascinating yeah, stuff. Fascinating it's, yeah stuff we're, really. we're definitely at the forefront of it um and yeah we're doing really well so it's going to be listen time is your enemy a bit in terms of tech but we're ahead of the game at the moment gary neville thierry Henry, says fabi gas are all part owners as well um so yeah it's really I, exciting so let's I, see what happens i'm surprised you got Henry involved <laughs> <laughs> with the handball yeah well listen he's uh 
it's an interesting one because usually when you want to get these high profile people involved, you kind of have to pay them to endorse your product. But all of these guys wrote a check for us and, and actually invested, which is, is a really good sign. You know, you can't say no to that, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. So just to get, just to move on to your career, Kevin. So where you're from Dublin. Where did you grow up in Dublin, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I grew up initially in Donamede in Dublin, and then my parents moved out to Sutton. Um, so Donamede and Sutton, and um, yeah, had a great upbringing. And, you know, it was that kind of era where Ireland were starting to do well internationally with Jack Charlton, 88, 90, 94. And, you know, there was just a great buzz around soccer, and we were just really playing you know, on the street and a field every day. And that's really where you kind of get the basis of your technique. Yeah. And I know, I know you went to Belvedere, like very famous schoolboy club, of course. But what, what was your kind of, uh, what was the club that you were at beforehand? Were you, were you playing yeah, like around in Donamede Seagr- or something? Seagrange United in Baldoyle. Fantastic. Um, is that Nicky Burns club? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. But we, there was Baldoyle United and Seagrange United. I was with Seagrange. It was a local club. Great people involved. Just volunteers from, from the area. And that's kind of really where you, you get the, the enthusiasm and the insight into the basics of the game. And, and they were massive in terms of my development of just loving the game and, you know, to pick you up and drop you home and really look after you and things like that. And, and then I just got to the age at about 11 where, I wanted to move on to kind of another level and um, my school coach, John Moore, who worked for many years with the Irish Independent, um, was attached to Belvedere and brought me in there and that's where that all started. Yeah, I mean, so so many players have come through there. I mean, even recently, like Matt Doherty's a, a very recent example of someone who's come through the, the Belvedere Academy. So, you went to Manchester United, was it 97, 98 kind of, and kind of correct me if I'm wrong, but you more or less did your TY work experience with United. Was that was it some kind of loophole to get you over a little bit earlier? Yeah, so that's what happened. Um, legally, you, you had to wait till you're 16. I was 15, but I was just finished my junior cert going into transition year. So the loophole was that I'd spend a year in Manchester during fourth year as a kind of work experience year. So um, that was kind of the that's, loophole. That's some work experience, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, mean I, I went down to Super Valley in Malahide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was lucky in that sense. But it was just a way to get over a year early. You know, they wanted me over as quick as possible. I wanted to go as quick as possible to get into that full-time environment. And that's, yeah. And then after that year, I could officially kind of sign. But um, so I would have been a, a year and two years younger than the, the youth players because it was, you know, the, 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 uh, YTS one and two. So would it be my... Um, who would have been just above me would have been the likes of Luke Chadwick and David Healy, Wes Brown, all yeah. those type of players. And then a year later, when my age group came in full time, would have been Danny Weber and Jimmy Davis and people like that. Yeah, poor Jimmy, Jimmy Davis. Um, very sad. Yeah, very sad. Very sad what happened to, to poor Jimmy. So when you went over, Kevin, so was it, was it Joe Corcoran who probably would have brought you over, was it? Because I know he was involved with with Joe kind of used United to bring me over yeah he yeah. used to bring me over so from 11 to 15 I'd go over on all my school holidays Joe would bring me over and uh, we'd stay in I think it was the Castlefield Hotel and and we'd train and trial and, and play games and yeah I think I, I think I was first spotted I was playing for Dublin against Belfast maybe in the AUL and uh, Dave Bushell was over who's a youth development officer and I think him and Joe kind of identified me and then yeah I was just going over on all my school holidays and uh then when I was 15, going full-time. And were you not a fan, Kevin? Originally a Liverpool fan. It's just, oh, you know, when you, I know, but just when you're younger and you kind of go where everyone goes and 
Liverpool were the team when I was growing up and everyone just supported them. So yeah. um, it was more just because everyone else was doing it. But I suppose once I got to United and realised kind of the culture and, and what type of club it was and I was playing there, it was easy. To, it was a good excuse to transition. It, it must have been fairly surreal when you went over. I mean, I mean, I've seen like different interviews that you've done and the, the interactions you had with Sir Alex Ferguson. He, he seemed to have a lot of time for you. Yeah, I, I think he, like, that's just part of why he was so good. He just had a lot of time for everyone. He knew everything. He was great with names, knew all the parents, the schoolboy players, obviously the, the youths, reserves, pr- uh, first team, you know, all the staff. He was just really, really good at that. He wanted everyone to feel a part of it. So it was, um, you know, when you first go over, you're a tiny bit in awe, but after a while you just get on with it because you realise you have to train and work hard and try and make it. It's a cutthroat industry. But um, no, it was... I mean, my biggest regret is probably I didn't enjoy it enough because, you know, I was so intense and I wanted to make it so badly. I was so intense, which was a good thing because I was very professional, trained hard, you know, did the right things off the field. But looking back, you know, I wish I, I relaxed a bit more and enjoyed it. You know, I suppose looking back, it's kind of, you know, it's it's probably easier to say, isn't it? But when you're in the intensity of it, I'd say it's a, it's a very cutthroat industry and a very competitive one. Yeah. I mean, some of the lads you mentioned there, I mean, they they, they had very, very good careers and you know, when you're competing against that, because I mean, it's not just, uh, I mean, you look at say, whatever class of 90, 92 and all these kind of lads, Beckham skulls, you would have come up just before you, but it, it was starting to get a little bit more scarce, wasn't it? As, as you were coming through in terms of uh, some of the youth players coming in. So you, you're ultimately complete competing, aren't you? Against the lads you're going over with. Yeah. And that's, you know, that it, people don't realize that it is hard. You're, you're, you're going over, you're not, you know, it's not just about being one of the best players in your age group. You've got the players coming in behind you who are quality. You've got the players ahead of you. Like, I mean, you talk about Beckham, Skulls, Giggs, and all those players getting in. Like, they weren't going anywhere. They were just starting their path in the first team. So you've got to be as good, if not better, than those players as well. Um, now, the one thing you always knew in United was you'd always get a chance because that's what the philosophy was, to give the young players a chance, whether it's yeah. uh, send them out on loan to get some experience, bring them back maybe for League Cup games and stuff like that. So... You always knew you'd probably get a chance if, if you could. I mean, in my case, it was very hard because of my injuries. And I never got a run at it. But you, you would have got a chance uh, along the way if, you know, you worked hard enough. And uh, that was a good thing to know. I suppose, like, you, as, as I mentioned, you were only a couple of years after some of these lads, like, you know, Beckham and Skulls and, and so on, who've, who've just come through the academy. And you, you, probably, you probably still would have been trained at the cliff, would you? I mean, Carrington wasn't really... Yeah, Carrington um, was getting Carrington built at the time. Then, it was getting it, yeah. built at the time, and they, what they did was in the European fixtures, the first team, uh, Champions League, they just plucked the best bits of all the different training grounds around Europe, and that yeah. kind of what morphed into Carrington. But we were still the cliff, which was, it was looking back, and it was crazy because the cliff, you know, if you didn't have the, I always say, if you didn't have the Manchester United logo outside it, you wouldn't think it was Manchester United's training <laughs> ground because it was so old. Yeah, but um, it's like an old leisure center or something. Just yeah, just seeing just seeing all footage of it. Yeah, but. You know, Alex Ferguson loved it because of the history. You know, you think of all the greats, you know, so Matt Busby obviously was the manager there and George Best played and Bobby Charlton, Dennis Law, all the top, top players, you know, all um, played and trained there and, and were in the same dress room. It was the same canteen. They, the cook, when I first went, Brenda, she was an Irish lady from Limerick, but she was still there, you know, it was crazy. But uh, there was that, you could kind of sense that history um, attached to it but obviously times were evolving then and, and Carrington was a must 
yeah, just I suppose the game evolves, doesn't it? And then the facilities have to as well. And I suppose Carrington that, that you would have seen gone up has probably changed so much in the in the last 20 odd years or so. So when you went to over Kevin, there would have been, you know, notably Roy Keane, Dennis Irwin. John O'Shea probably came just after you, didn't he? But did, did you kind of um did you kind of gravitate towards the Irish lads? Uh, did they kind of keep an eye on you? Did they have your back or did you have many interactions with them? Yeah, you'd have a, you'd have some interactions. I mean, particularly with obviously John O'Shea. John actually when we were at the European Championships in Scotland, uh, I had already done a year in Manchester United and I, they actually rang me and asked me, you know, what was John O'Shea like? So I knew he was on the radar. They were more looking for what was he like as a person. I think they'd already identified he was a talented player. And obviously I talked very highly about him because, you know, he's just a top, top guy. But Because um, he, he was in your position, Kevin, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, ah, but listen, I'd always be honest anyway. Yeah, but yeah. Um, he, um, the Irish guys, Yes, I mean, I had some, uh, you know, I would have trained Roy Keane a few times and, you know, you'd see them most days, they'd be in the training ground, but I wouldn't say I, I talked to them every day and massive interaction with them more, I, I mean, partly because I was so intense and shy and all that, but there was definitely situations where Roy Keane helped me and, you know, I've told some of them stories before and I know you could always go to those guys if you ever needed advice, you know, um, and, and that was good to know, but... um. Yeah, I suppose John O'Shea would have been the one because he was around my age and I played him on the international team. But um, yeah, it was it was good. I mean, it was great to know there was Irish around, Irwin and, and Keane and so on. You know. You're probably blue in the face from telling this. And I know I know um Balzari had kind of quoted the Long Haul podcast last week, but um Roy Keane gave you a bit of a dig out when Nicky Butt was was acting a bit of a maggot around you, wasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, it was, I'm pretty honest. It was just a bit of banter by Nicky Buff. We were doing keep ball and there was one touch. So he just pinged it into me really hard. There was no way I was able to control it. So it just bounced off me and I went to go into the middle and take the bib and, and Roy Keane just stepped in and kind of said, don't don't even attempt to take that bib and said to him, don't even, even attempt to do that again to him. So like, I mean, it's a funny story, but it was all, it was all a bit of a joke from Nicky Butt. Um, it was kind of, you know, the warm up as such, but it was kind of funny because it was just, I bumped into Roy on the plane. I was actually on loan at the time with UCD because I had my injuries and there was talk, talk that if I trained at a lesser intensity for a year or two, my injury might kind of, I might grow out of it. So yeah. I was actually just coming over for a week's training and um, I just, my fluke happened to be on the plane with Roy Keane. He was back in Ireland doing something. And, you know, he just kind of touched me on the shoulder on the plane and said, how was I? He heard I was doing well with UCD and offered me a lift on, on the other end. So just um, like little things like that. I know they're small things, but they go a long way when you're a young player. And, you know, even and even that little bit in training, give me a dig out. And, you know, even after training, if he seen me in the car park, he'd always ask me, did I need a lift and so on. So, you know, you'd always remember those things and they might may seem like small things, but they're big things when you're a young player or at the time I was trying to kind of get back to United after my injury and so on. So I always remember those things. It's excellent captaincy, isn't it? Because I mean, it's, it's those small little things. And I know like captaincy has probably changed since then in terms of how they're running a club, but I, I think he really epitomised how, how a captain should, should run a club as opposed to just running things on the pitch. So, Kevin, um, we again, another thing you're probably blue in the face of uh, about talking about, but I mean, your your injuries are, are one of the things that, I suppose, kind of marred your career, but you were hitting quite a bit of form coming into the, the treble um, win, I suppose, weren't you? Like that kind of 98-99 yeah. season, you were doing quite well with the reserves uh, at United. That was probably, yeah, that was probably, you know, I would say it was at my best, even 
though it was only a brief period, but you know, I'd had the injuries. I'd, I'd had some knee trouble and hip trouble, but that was more growing pains. Osgood, Slatter's, Buckman's disease. There was no real concern there. I was definitely going to grow out of them. But when I started getting the pelvis uh, problems, it was bony erosion on the left side and it was pretty horrific. And I'd had some operations, but I got back around that period from a bit, from an operation. Um, I'd worked really hard. I'd, I'd done a lot of work with uh, Dave Fever, the physio. I felt great. I really did. Got back into the youth team. We were uh, with some big games in the youth academy, Sunderland, Everton, Blackburn around then. We were on a great run. I was playing. I was doing really, really well. And yeah, it was around the time of the treble. And uh, it was just that was probably my best period because one, I was back playing. I was doing well. Club was absolutely buzzing. We were obviously at the, the game against Tottenham when we won the league. And then we went to uh, the old Wembley against Newcastle for the FA Cup final. And then we all went over to the new camp for um, the Champions League final. And then I went, we went back um, to Ireland then for I think we were four weeks off for, for holidays. So that was just a great period. you know. That was, And I really thought I was going to kick on then. But yeah. unfortunately, the, the following pre-season, uh, I broke down again. Like the, the thing is, even though you weren't featuring for the first team, you're you're really part of history there, aren't you? Because I mean, they did fly you over. You you were part of the you were part of the club, and you were brought yeah, over. Yeah, I mean, so you're, you're really a part of history. Well, just credit to like the, the club and the history and Alex Ferguson, and you know they always made you. They it was a family club, so we were all in it together as such. Like so, yeah, we all felt part of it because we were there, you know. And and you're you know in between those three games I mentioned, you know, you're in the training ground every day in the cliff, which is a very small training ground. And, you know, you're seeing the first, you're seeing the first teamers every day and so on. We were at all those games, but in between all those games, you we were in the training ground around it. So you really feel part of it. And then once you're fit and playing yourself, whether it's the reserves or youth team or whatever, you really feel a part of it. And uh, that was just a great time for the club and uh, for all of us involved. I mean, little things that United always did. And like every year, Every single player at the club, whether it was you team, reserves or first team, their mom, you, the parents would always get sent to Turkey at Christmas. You know, I, right. I always find that amazing. Like, you know, but that, that stemmed from way back when. So Matt Busby used to do that because he didn't want anyone's play, a player's parents not having money for a turkey, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I just thought that was an amazing tradition that, that they kept up. So my mom used to get a turkey every year. <laughs> it seems a little bit different to now, doesn't it? Because, I mean, you, I mean, you hear different bits and pieces. There's a neighbor of mine who was a scout for them, and he said, you know, they wouldn't even pay. Uh, they wouldn't even pay for match day programs or anything, or or cover expenses. So it's 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 definitely a different place uh, by the sounds of things at the moment. Do, do you have any buddies from United at the, you know Kevin that you would have had uh, kind of grown up? Like you mentioned, some of the the lads that, that were in the academy with you. Is there anyone you're you're still in touch with? Yeah, I, I, we, I, well, there's a few people over here actually, but I mean, John Curtis, who was a played, um, yeah. he's a fullback, he's over here doing stuff. So we, we've uh, been in touch over the years. Mark Wilson, he's also over here. So we, we've we've done some stuff and, and been in touch. Um, Danny Weber, I'd be in touch with, um, reconnected. I was talking to John O'Shea over Christmas and um, he was helping me out with a, a charity I was involved in. So yeah, I keep in touch with some of them, um, which is great. Um, I'd like to kind of reconnect with more of them and not just the ones that made it, but there's so many great people that didn't quite make it for whatever reason. I'd, I'd yeah. love to reconnect with them, you know, but, you know, you, you, unfortunately, we, we just never find the time, you know. Yeah, I suppose with you being over in the States as well, it's kind of hard, but it's, uh, you know, I suppose there's a lot of good memories you can kind of 
uh, have a point over and that kind of thing. So it's uh, it's nice nice to have the, the the contacts and that kind of thing. So you mentioned John O'Shea there, Kevin, and and you know the two of you were part of that nineteen ninety eight European Championship win um, in Scotland. Uh, just looking through that squad, I mean, first of all, Joe Murphy's still playing the goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. We're on a WhatsApp group, the whole squad. I'm really, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic, you know. Yeah, it's great. Great, you can keep in touch. Is is anyone else playing? Joe Murphy and is, and look, having a little look through there. There's no. I'd one say that really Joe is the only me. one still playing, but a lot have gone into coaching. Obviously, John's doing very well to coaching. He was Reading and Ireland U21. Andy Reid yeah. is doing really well. Uh, Jim, Jim is doing very well in Scotland. Jim Crawford or Jim Jim Goodwin's doing fantastic. Jim Goodwin, yeah, really, really um, well. So there's a lot that are still in the game, and there's a lot that. That I know Keith Foy is uh, is doing some stuff back in Ireland, um, locally and doing really well. So there's a lot still involved in the game, and then there's a lot that you know kind of fell out of the game for one reason or another, and they're doing other stuff as well. But it's great that we're still in touch, and you know, a couple, when it was our 20th anniversary, the Riders Association uh, got us all together and and uh, to kind of celebrate that, which was fantastic, you know. Yeah, Graham Barrett's another one, isn't he doing? Um, he's an agent, Graham's isn't he? In the player representation side of things, and obviously we we lost Liam Miller, which was devastating yeah. to everyone. And what a player, and more importantly, what a great person. And you know, we were all a bit shook for that one because I remember so we young, met, yeah, yeah very so young. young. And we met for that twentieth anniversary, and he was sick at the time and couldn't make oh. it. But it wasn't long after that that he he passed away. But great to see what. Uh, you know, the likes of Roy Keane and, and that organised for, for his family in terms of doing a benefit game and all that. So um, it was nice to see that. Yeah, you weren't ass over. I didn't get over for that one. I just couldn't yeah. get over because of work and stuff. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Andy Reid as well in, in the squad. Did he bring his guitar to Scotland, did he? Well, funny you should say that because... Oh, no. I'll, t- I'll <laughs> take... Well, I'll take credit. I actually t- will take credit probably for Andy starting the guitar because... I used to get guitar lessons in Man United and because um, I love my music and all that. I was absolutely horrendous, like the worst guitar player and singer you could <laughs> ever, ever meet. I think I have three guitars and I can't play any of them. But I remember going because and Noel, uh, obviously Noel O'Reilly, who we've lost as well, was yeah. an amazing coach. But Noel would get the guitar right and, and we'd be famous for having all the sing songs and getting everyone going. And I was very kind of quiet and shy at the time, but I, I used to love the music side and um so I took the guitar up anyway, and and Noel gave me the guitar for a few days, and I had it in the room. And I remember Andy being in the room saying, "You know, I'd love to take it up and show me how you play this chord and that chord." And uh, he went on to to become actually he's a very good singer and guitar player. Yeah, yeah, way, excellent. Like way better. He he could easily get up in a room and do it and and do it and, and justify doing it where I barely sing in the shower at this stage. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then obviously. Or whatever happened down the road when he was with Trapatoni, I'm not sure the full story, but um, yeah. See, it's funny because I was watching an interview recently with uh, Andy Kyo and uh, under the cosh, I'm not sure if it's uh, John Park and he would have played for yeah. Ipswich back in the day. And and Andy was kind of saying, oh, um, Stephen Reed, or the, the whole thing happened with the guitar. And from what I heard anyway from, from Andy Kyo, you know, Andy Reid was was getting a little bit riled, but he kind of held things back. And then they were on they were on the lift on the way back to the rooms. And then apparently Stephen Reid had said, I can't believe you let Trapatoni talk to you like that. And he said, Oh yeah, I better go back. So <laughs> Stephen Reid was kind of half blamed uh, for that. <laughs> but I think I think Kevin, uh, you have to take a bit of responsibility there as well. 
you did inter- <laughs> you did yeah. introduce yeah. him yeah well i remember showing him the uh what, what was it the d or the a chord in the room that that on that trip and you never looked back what what a on a serious note i mean what a talent andy reed was it was kind of mm. it was really disappointing like you look at andy reed and wes Houlihan, and they were the, kind of the last of the street soccer players and there should be always be a place in our in national teams for those types of players. And Andy should have played more for Ireland and, and definitely Wes should have as, as well. They were just, I grew up playing against Andy. He was Cherry Orchard. I was Belvedere. And then we played together on the Dublin team and then ended up playing together on the Ireland team. So I, I knew Andy since I was like 13 years of age and just a real, real, he actually went on trial with Man United as yeah, well at one yeah. stage. Uh, just a real a real talent, like genuine talent. Him and Wes Houlihan were two of the most naturally gifted players I, I kind of seen. And uh, yeah, they, they, you know, shame on Ireland for, for, for not playing them more. You know, that's my opinion. Absolutely. And I mean, so many technically good players were kind of ignored. Do you, would you consider yourself like a technically sound kind of player, Kevin? Because I mean, we, we haven't even gone on to like your position or anything. Like, were you kind of a box-to-box midfielder? I was a centre midfielder. I was, I was very comfortable on the ball. Um, I worked hard on my technique so I could use my right and left foot, no problem. Um, you know, I was a percentage player, so I kept the ball moving. I didn't give it away too much. Um, back then, it was, you know, it was really midfielders. You weren't really specialists. You had to do both. You had to get up and, and get back. So if one midfielder went, you'd sit and vice versa. But I think I was comfortable on the ball at a decent array of passing, a de- decent uh, vision and peripheral vision and uh yeah, I mean, the best football I ever played was definitely in uh, Manchester United in that kind of period we mentioned earlier. I did a stint, uh, some stints in League of Ireland, uh, you know, although people would say I did well and I scored some goals. It was just so different for me back then. League of Ireland was a bit different back then. Now it's the quality of and standard of actual football is brilliant now. Back then it wasn't so much. It was there wasn't as much football played, and I was I couldn't really play midfield because I was kind of lost there because I didn't get enough of the ball. So I ended up playing up front, and because right. I was able to score a couple of goals, people looked at me as a centre forward. But I was never really a centre forward. I, I was always a centre midfielder was my position. But um, yeah, and always a, I was a, I was a good player, decent player. Uh, I had a great attitude, and people always asked me like how far I would have gone, and I wouldn't flinch when saying I would have made a career out of the game yeah. at what level, who knows? You just can't say that, but you know, I was a half decent player with a very good attitude. You know, I worked hard, you know, I never drank, uh, I ate the right food. My body fat was low. I did extra training and that accompanied with the bit of talent. Um, I could have made a career somewhere, you know, to be honest, it's a shame. Some of the current lads don't have the same mentality. Again, you know, you, you went to Millwall briefly, didn't you? I mean, that, yeah. I was kind of looking through that Millwall team. Some serious players in that squad. Oh, I, yeah, I mean, it was, it was like Steve, Stephen Reed, yeah, like, um, Richie Sadlier, Tim Cahill was there, Steve Claridge, Dennis Wise, Tony War- Warner. I mean, Jesus, that was that was a star studded uh, Millwall team. Wasn't it was it? a great. It was a funny. It was kind of full circle for me because the first club I ever went on trial with was Millwall when I was eleven. Right. It was true. Jerry Smullen. Jerry Smullen was a, a coach in Belvedere, and he he would have been behind bringing Mark Kennedy over to Millwall. And, and yeah. Mark Kennedy was actually the first full international that Belvedere had ever produced. But he was a star in Millwall. Like I remember going over as a kid, and Mark. I was 11 Mark probably would I don't know what age he was he was young I'm going to say 16 17 but he was already breaking into the first team he was a star and um, you know 
we were really interested in going to Millwall uh, and signing because, you know, Mick McCarthy was the manager. There was already a pathway created through Mark Kennedy. Um, the youth development officer was absolutely brilliant. And they really looked after us, you know. And it was a, it was a very good club in terms of develop. They, they relied on their youth and giving people a chance. And the den had just been done up. It was a lovely stadium. Yeah. Fans were absolutely crazy. Insane, I'd say. Yeah, and I remember <laughs> it was the first, it was literally, I think it was the first ever game I'd been to in England when I was 11 and on trial and I was in the den and I was like, oh, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. Like, and uh, But what happened was United were in for me, a few other clubs were in, uh, Premier League clubs, and Mick McCarthy left then. He went and got the Irish job. I went back, back once or twice after that and the club had changed. There was a new uh, youth development officer and the club had just changed it just wasn't the club that it had been and then United were kind of pushing hard for me to go there but I'd say had Mick McCarthy stayed there um, I might have signed there uh, you know when I was 15 instead because you might have a better chance of getting in but anyway full circle when I came back to England then after my stint in UCD I could have gone back to United to train and see how that went but Millwall was a better option because I'd missed so much football better chance of getting in the first team and I went back then but as you said like some serious talent like Timmy Cahill Stephen Reid was just back from the World Cup with Ireland he was yeah. absolutely buzzing Mark McGee was the manager he had actually played for Alex Ferguson with Aberdeen and um, won the European Cup it was it was a great club it really was and I was like I did really well I had a couple of weeks so I was, felt great and uh, got offered a contract and uh, Theo Fidesis I don't know if you know him from Dragon's Dragon's Den. Den, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the chairman at the time. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I was offered a great contract, and then he was away, and then he came back, and he had to sign off on it. And he said, absolutely no chance we're giving this guy this contract. He's been injured for too long. So wow. he kind of he kind of blocked that, but we just restructured it. And it was good business looking back. And we restructured it where I'd get X, which wasn't much, but if I got 10 first-team appearances, um. I'd be deemed fit and then he'd give me the, the actual proper contract and I mean three months later my career was over because my my uh, injury was back so it was good business on his behalf and that was actually my first insight into real business from a proper like businessman who like said listen we don't care how good you are or where you come from you know you've been injured we're just not committing to this money until you prove you're fit and he was right yeah it's a shame though isn't it and I mean the, that time as well I mean, you, you had sadly, or you had Reed. I think Tim yeah. Cahill technically wanted to play for Ireland at that stage, so there there probably would have been a lot of eyes on Millwall from from an Irish perspective. Like when there you was, signed... and I remember, I remember being in the training ground during preseason, and Mick McCarthy came down. It was after the yeah. World Cup, and I remember Mark McGee and just making a beeline for me and introducing me to to Mick. Um, it, it, I mean, listen, it is what it is, but you look back in it and. There was a clear pathway for me there had I stayed fit. You know, I would have got into the, the team, Millwall's team, and I would have, you know, you'd only really need five, six, seven games consistently where you're fit and you're doing okay. And you would have got probably picked for Ireland into a squad to yeah. be given a chance, maybe a friendly to be given a chance. And that was the vision. And, uh, but it just didn't work out, you know, with the injury. It's a shame, you know, it's, it really is. Because, I mean, like, even go, delving into the archives and, you know, you were considered, like, a wonder kid. But, you know, thankfully, these things happen for a reason, don't they? Yeah. And I you, mean, you're, wonder, you're, you're wonder, in... kid, wonder kid is a stretch, in my opinion. <laughs> um, 
as I said, a decent player. Uh, with, Kevin, with, Kevin uh, you, you have to hang on to these things, man. <laughs> yeah. Now, I might be saying different tonight if I'm out having a drink with someone and someone's asking, was I any good? Like, but um, no, decent player with a good attitude. But um, yeah, and listen, I struggled when it didn't work out. I struggled and, you know, it was just tough. I just I couldn't get my head around it and it took me a long time. But listen, coming to America was great and it was a new lease of life for me and, and uh, I very much hustled when I came over here. But I enjoyed the hustle. I enjoy being in the trenches sometimes and, uh, you know, I'm just lucky where I am now. Kind of, I think I've been here 11, 12 years. I've, I've always had a, an O1 visa. I just got my green card. So my life is here now and uh, I've been blessed. And I always say about New York City that as like, whatever about what you want to do and thankfully I'm doing what I want to do but if you ever needed work and you have some work ethic about you you'll always have a job in New York City and that's comforting to know as well you know yeah well it kind of it transferred didn't it like your your work ethic at United and your work I think that shot as a footballer transferred and now you're you're involved in something so niche so it it's kind of like as you mentioned with Millwall uh, it was your first trial and then it was kind of your your last um I know you went back to League of Ireland but kind of your your last club in the UK, it's it's almost like a full circle that that work ethic and it's just stayed universal. And um, just to come back to the Euros briefly, uh, Kevin, like just just talk us through that experience because that must have been some buzz under Brian Kerr. It was kind of kind of a golden generation for underage football in Ireland, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it it, it was amazing. Really looking back on it, I mean, I mean they they came third in the under twenty World Cup, then we won the European Championship sixteen in May, then we. We won the U18 in, in July. Um, and there could have been a few other kind of smaller tournaments in the middle of that. It was <clears throat> it was just crazy how successful that Brian and Noel were. And a lot of it like, was really down to them. And, and I always say Vincent Butler, Vincent coached the U15s and he created the pipeline of players. And then Brian and Noel took them over and added to them, obviously. But um, yeah, it was a combination. It was some good talent and just great management, really. You know, and we were all in England. Like, if you look at all the players, Duff was on the 18s and Keane and Dunn and in my age group, as you mentioned, Danny Reid and John O'Shea and so on. Like, we were all in England. And although we were working hard and trying to pursue that, like, you, you did get homesick and you did miss yeah. kind of Ireland and so on. So coming back and playing for Ireland was great because Brian and Noel created that like, kind of atmosphere where you felt like you were at home and having your sing songs after games getting his guitar out and so on so it was there was something special about it and and, and that turn was amazing and i remember be, like being in the aul complex and you know brian pulling us and i know kind of sounds cliche but he was he was really adamant he goes Listen, we're not going here to make up the numbers like you know we have a great team of players we've got a great attitude we've got great team spirit like you know we can go up here and try and win it and you kind of looking at him going you know, can we win it? Like, I'm not sure about that. You've got, you know, Portugal and Italy and Spain, all these big yeah. countries. And But once we got up there and we started winning games and we started getting a bit of momentum then, and then we started realising something a bit special about this group in terms of team spirit and chemistry. And, and Brian and Noel just gave us that confidence. And Pete Mahon was there as well, um, doing the scouting for us. And we knew all about the opposition that we were playing. And, and just momentum took over. And the, the more we got in, like once we got out of the group stage and, just the momentum kicked in and I, I remember the final, we played Portugal in the semis, I started that game and I remember just the conference and uh, we were just, we just had the momentum and then going into the final, we really thought we could win it, you know, so it was, it was amazing, but it was just amazing time for Irish soccer with the 18s and the 16s and the U20s and 
it's a shame Brian isn't involved anymore, you know? Yeah, like, I mean, uh, there's the whole, um, I mean, there's the whole John Delaney aspect, and I suppose we don't really need to to get into that. But champagne are you surprised football, he's not a it? champagne football? That's the one, that's the one. But are, are you surprised he hasn't gotten involved now? Um, like, there there were a few rumors that he had been asked to get involved in some level. But, like, at the same time, do you think maybe the game has moved on since since Brian Kerr was kind of um, a top, top coach? Or do you, do you think there um, could be some kind of place from in the FAI? I think there's definitely a place for him. I really do. And that's not me being biased because I know Brian and, he, you know, I worked with him and all that. What that role is, I'm not, role is, I'm not sure at this point. But there's surely a role for him, at, whether that's an, as an advisor or whatever it might be. Is Would it be as hands-on a role as he used to do? I'm not sure, but there's definitely a role there for him. I mean, he's so well-respected around Ireland and he has that kind of magic touch in terms of identifying players. And But, you know, probably knowing Brian, he wouldn't do it unless he was very much hands-on and in control of what he was doing. But it is sad what happened. Um now, obviously, I don't know the full story ins and outs, but there was definitely something there with him and John Delaney. Yeah. I mean, I, I still I say it all the time. I we kind of joke about it, but it's sad that we don't even know where the European Championship trophies are. They were never displayed in FAI headquarters, you know. Oh, Jesus. Um, apparently, so yeah. it's it's all a bit bizarre. But um, and if the John Delaney thing, you know, I'm sure John did some good things for Irish football, but by all accounts, he did a lot of bad things as well. But Listen, there's two sides to every story. I wasn't there, but um, the Brian thing, Brian should be involved. There's no doubt about that. I thought he might get involved when when kind of Niall Quinn was in there as interim CEO. And I know Niall would know Brian very well and, and a lot of respect there. And I don't know, maybe he got some offers and he said no for whatever reason. But it does seem bizarre that we have someone like Brian and his at his level and he's not in there. Um, but listen, Stephen Kenny, I'd be a big fan. Um, I like what he's trying to do. I, I think it's a good step forward. It's going to be a process, but um, I, I think uh, Stephen would be cut from a similar cloth as Brian in terms of, you know, how good he is and how meticulous he is, and his he's stubborn in his approach of wanting to play the right way, and he's not afraid to give young players a chance. So I, I'd be optimistic with that, even though that's going to be a process. We can't expect uh, success overnight. What about you, Kevin, with the FAI? Because I mean. If you think about it, a person with unbelievable work ethic, some really, really good experience. You've 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 gone to Manchester United. You've won a European Championship underage. You've you've gone over to the US. You've coached, and now you have a you know you're 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 a football consultant essentially, and now you're part of a, you know part of a company that's spearheading sport artificial intelligence. Like, what if the FAI came in for you? Would you would you be interested if you could do it from from a distance? Yeah, I, I'd certainly talk to them. Um... You know, the new CEO, I know, is very progressive and, um, you know, I'd have a direct uh, link in there to, to what he's doing. And, and there, there's I, I've talked with some people off the record very loosely about some things, but um, I'd look at it, of course, if there's any way I could help and, and add value to it. Um, I, I would have my opinions on where the FAI is at and where it should go and, um. I, I do think there's been a lot of positive change. As I just said, Stephen Kenny's doing a fantastic job. Um, I think there's some work to be done on the, on the marketing and branding side in, in terms of you know the reputational damage that has been done in the past and the stuff that can be done there. I think there is some good crossovers between the FAI and uh, America with the whole Irish-American communities. 
So there, there's lots that could be done. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't rule it out. So we'll see what happens. Uh, la- last question for you, Kevin. And you have to be really, really honest about this. Do you call it football or soccer? It's funny because when I first came, I was stubborn. I was like, it's football and it's <laughs> their bibs. They're not pennies and they're, they're, <laughs> they're stands. They're not bleachers and all this stuff. And you just get their goalkeepers, not goaltenders. And you, but you know what happens is you get so fed up of yeah, saying yeah. what it is and people saying, what, what, what are you talking about, the Americans? Because it's just different terminology that eventually you just cave in and you just start using their terminology because you just don't explain to everyone every time. So um, I, I call it soccer and pinnies and bleachers. And I don't use goaltenders. That's one too far for me. Like, yeah, that's that's very mighty ducks, isn't it? Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they have you indoctrinated now, uh, Kevin. For sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look, Kevin, it was a pleasure having you on and we really appreciate you taking the time out to, to join us. No, my pleasure, Nick. Thanks for having me. So take care and, um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll hear from you soon another time. But, um, you know, mind yourself in these strange times and the very best of luck with all the ventures, Kevin, because they, they, they are genuinely fascinating. Like they, you know, they, they're, they're very contemporary. They're, they're the way forward, really, aren't they? And, and we look forward to, to hearing a lot from you from the artificial intelligence side of football. Yeah, appreciate that, Nick. All the best. All the best, Kevin. Thanks so much. Bye.